0: Hey, it's Paul here. We're thrilled to announce you now have three options for how you want to enjoy the podcast. First, you could watch the full unedited interview with a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the episode with or without closed captions. Second, you can read the full transcript of the edited interview at your own pace. And third, you can still listen in as usual. These new accessibility options are part of our DEI initiative and are commitment to provide flexible learning opportunities to you. Just check out the show notes for a link to see all three options. Now, on to the show.
1: I was to call me Smiley. I remember the mailman would always call me Smiley. <laughs> the mailman talk would? To <laughs> yes, the mailman. I <laughs> uh, am <Walter. laughs> I was trying to think of his name and it's Walter. I remember Walter, great guy. Friends in high school would call me Smiley. And yeah, to this day, I mean, I will go back to my hometown, hey Smiley, you know, because I'm always smiling. And sometimes I've been in situations where I've smiled too much and my muscles hurt in my face. But no, it's something that I'm proud of, that nickname. It could be worse, right? So I'm very happy with that.
0: Hello, I'm Paul Munir, the Executive Director of the Youth Intervention Programs Association, and I'm a youth worker at heart. How lucky am I? I have the privilege to meet youth workers from around the globe and learn their stories and share them with the entire world. I'm glad you're listening because together we'll learn how their life experiences shape their youth work. As you listen, I encourage you to consider how your experiences shape what you have to offer young people. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi everybody. For this episode, we're joined by Dustin Anderson from Minnesota in the United States. Dustin is an upward bound counselor at the University of Minnesota Duluth and has many years of experience working with the Boys and Girls Clubs. He's a teacher at heart and it shines through in all that he does. Dustin, thanks for being a guest on the show.
1: Well, thanks, Paul. I am very privileged to be here and I'm excited to talk with you.
0: That's cool. I'm excited to speak with you as well. Dustin, you're upbeat, energetic, and outgoing. And I'm just curious where does that energy and that positivity come from?
1: Well, it really does come from my life in front of me as I live it right now. But a lot of it is from how I was raised and what I embraced in those moments with my parents, specifically my mom. My mom is always upbeat. And I want to say that that's who I am. People see my mom and me. One time I did have curly hair, Paul, but I, I do not anymore. <laughs> um, age I had a... black hair at one
0: time too, <laughs> Dustin.
1: Well, right. So um, you understand. It's the experiences and what really has made me, me and my character. And I'm proud of that and how I can portray that.
0: What was your upbringing like? Can you describe a little bit like your earlier years in life?
1: Yeah, I, I grew up in the UP of Michigan. I'm a Uper at heart, Paul. I'm a Uper at heart, and I'm very proud of when I say that. Maybe at the time when I was growing up, I didn't really realize what that meant. I grew up in a family with my mom and dad until I was around six years old and my parents got divorced. So I don't remember a lot of my mom and dad together. I do remember couple of fights here and there, but it was not until they got divorced that I started to really get to know each parent and how they were to raise me, right? And my mom being very upbeat, very energized, like I said earlier, my dad being, you know, very loving, but very, this is how it goes, kind of by the book, right? <laughs> this is how life is supposed to be. And so I was very privileged in that And I really started to love the idea of going to different houses, right? And they lived a street apart, so it wasn't a big deal. And I really, at one point in my life, Paul, like going to all these different Christmases, because you know what that means, all these different presents and all these different opportunities to be with different people. Through middle school, that was challenging sometimes because I would go to mom about something and then dad to something and uh, about something. And they had two different viewpoints. It's a critical time in a child's life is middle school where you're starting to really discover who you are and challenge the world a little bit. It worked itself out, but my mom ended up moving away out to uh, Virginia Mm. in in early high school. And I had an opportunity to move out there, but I chose not to. And I, because I felt deep down, Paul, that I needed to stay back with my dad. I felt like this inner feeling that, this would really hurt my dad if I moved away. And I remember talking about that with my dad and, and I just don't know where that came from. I remember seeing my dad once about how he would have been really upset that the idea was presented to him, but I don't regret staying here. My mom was bummed out, but uh, we, you know, we kept in touch, but at times it was a little bit challenging not having my mom locally. And that was something that affected me. Uh, obviously, I have a great relationship. always have had a great relationship and learned a lot from my parents and were given opportunities. But I always say, Paul, if I, I didn't stay back, who knows if I would have been in the position I am now or if I would have been able to explore kind of my passions and my skills if I would have moved out to Virginia. So I'm very happy with the opportunity that I stayed back to be a Uper and have those opportunities.
0: That's interesting, because the way you described your mom and how you have similar personalities, it seemed like as a person your age at that point in time, it would have been instinctive to go with your mom. But for some reason, you didn't. Are you more like your dad now that you get older? Or are you still more like your mom? Or did, did that experience change things a little bit? Because then, obviously, with your mom in Virginia, you spent a lot of more time with your dad.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Paul. I think a lot of it was my mom was so open and positive where she felt like, hey, listen, I would love for you to be out with me and move with me. But at the same time, uh, I'm very optimistic about your future. I want to give you the opportunity to choose. And remember those conversations. And so she wasn't hard driven to saying, you're staying with me. It really gave me an opportunity to learn more from my dad and think find that balance overall in the end game essentially until I was an adult, so to answer your question paul i I am a mix of both, uh, and a mm-hmm. lot of what I do and how I teach and counsel and advise, I'm very positive, very energized, right, but sometimes there are times when I need to play by the book. I don't want to say lay that hammer down right Maslow once said, you know don't use a hammer because everything look like a nail. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. But at the same time, I need to manage behavior. And I notice I'm more of my dad with my own kids now that I'm getting older. But I hope to keep that balance <laughs> throughout my life because I think that's really important. And I've been privileged in that situation to maintain that balance throughout my life. Now,
0: yeah, you certainly have kept a positive attitude. Everything <laughs> I think about Dustin reminds me of positivity. And even when you sent your digital picture to us to post with your (laughs) podcast episode. It had just you with a huge smile. And if the listeners want to look at it right now, they can see it. And I responded to you and I said, Dustin, this is you. This is exactly you. And you told me that people call you smiley. Is that something just when you were younger, people call you smiley or do they still refer to you and think of you that
1: way? No, it was from when I was older or younger into my older years. My cousins would call me Smiley. I remember the mailman would always call me Smiley. (laughs) The mailman would? Yes, the (laughs) mailman, Uh, uh, Walter. I was trying to think of his name and it's Walter. I remember Walter, great guy. Friends in high school would call me Smiley. And yeah, to this day, I mean, I will go back to my hometown. Hey, Smiley, you know, because I'm always smiling and it's, Sometimes I've been in situations where I've smiled too much and my muscles hurt in my face. But no, it's something that I'm proud of, that nickname. It could be worse, right? So I'm very happy with that.
0: A lot of people get into this field for different reasons. Some people always knew they wanted to be a teacher and other people just kind of accidentally fell into working with young people. What was that like for you, Dustin? Did you know at an early age how you were going to work with young people?
1: I remember I was in second or third grade, but no, my second grade teacher was my favorite teacher, Mrs. Moderson. She was wonderful. I really enjoyed elementary school, right? Making new friends, experiencing new things. I remember in my neighborhood playing school, right? On our front porch and teaching the neighborhood kids. And I always thought there was some power in that. I, I <laughs> want to teach. <laughs> I got a lot of power because you're telling people things, you're experiencing things with them. I had cousins that were always interested in teaching, and they became teachers. I looked up to them because I was the youngest of all the cousins. Aunts, uncles worked as principals and different administrators throughout Michigan, uh, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. So it was almost I had this in my blood. But at one time, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be an in-classroom teacher, if I wanted to be some sort of youth counselor. I wasn't sure yet. Through practicum work in my First couple of years of college, I really was enjoying being at the level of young kids, right? When they're ooing and eyeing over these science experiments, that was just exciting. It's those aha moments, right? But I had my own aha moment that I was just thinking to myself, yeah, I want to work in education. I want to be a teacher, but to what capacity, right? And I have been blessed being able to kind of play that out in various ways, in various careers, I guess you could say Um, in various callings, I would say. Passion in my road has been about teaching, but I've had various callings throughout that. Yeah.
0: When people go into teaching, there's a million ways you could teach. You could teach at a university level. You could teach uh, at a corporate level and be trainers within systems. And Google, I'm sure, has all kinds of trainers. There's people who train in all kinds of ways and teach in all kinds of ways. What was it about young people? Why did you choose young people over... I don't know, say the college academia life.
1: In the first part of that journey or the discovery of my journey, it was almost this feeling inside that I could make this impact, right? And the people that have made an impact on me were, were teachers. I mean, I still keep in touch with them. I said before, it's, it's making these aha moments, right? When things start clicking, when I learn something new, I get this excitement. And that's what led it for me, for young people, there's this way of molding the minds and, and that impact that you can make on somebody and can help them steer in one direction or the other. And there are people in my own life that I felt that I was passionate about. I mean, I had a teacher that was passionate about the Minnesota Vikings. That's why I'm still a Minnesota Vikings because of that teacher. So I always think back about that. It was just those small moments where they have these open mindsets and that's what really wanted me to go and work with young people at, at first, yes.
0: I can see that. And I can see you can bring all that energy, that positivity to the work with your young people and they must just be drawn to you. Is that true? Do do young people just tend to gravitate to you? Look at that smiley guy. I'm gonna go and <laughs> talk to him. He looks safe.
1: Well well right. And that's what it comes down to. It's this way of showing how I am safe and I feel that's important in any situation, whether it be walking into a room and, and people are like, who's this guy with the beard and can we trust him? I think a lot of it is this energy, right? And I believe in giving off energy, whether it be positive or negative. I feel like my positive energy is a tool, really. It, it is a way of blessing me and my opportunities that I've had. And I can walk into a room, I can smile, right? There's this way of gauging them, and that in itself can start building a trusting relationship. I believe in relationships are key to opening the doors of learning and knowledge and experiencing more beyond that. So yes, I think that's a big part of who I am. One person once called me the Pied Piper, um, because <laughs> well, know...
0: <laughs> there you go. I,
1: I... I'm very very blessed as I talk right now, Paul. This opens up my ways of how thankful and blessed I am being able to have the experiences because the people that I've worked with and taught in the past 10, 15 years ago and where they're at right now and how they can call on me and communicate with me, they're adults, they're in college now and and they still talk about these moments of working with them and how I was able to build that trust, build that relationship with them and they've impacted me. And that's why I continue to go at it the best I can every single day.
0: That's great. And I'm sure you do a wonderful job. There's your <laughs> coach you. coming out and you're right. To just,
1: <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I could see that working out really good. And bringing that energy into your work and building those relationships takes a lot of internal control, too. You have to have an understanding of who you are, what your triggers are all those kinds of things and when we were getting to know each other a little bit in preparation for our podcast you talked about being your own CEO can you talk a little bit dustin what do you mean by that i've never heard anybody describe themselves as being their own ceo
1: i'm in charge of who i am and what i portray to people my skills and how i use my skills and how much i want to learn and relearn that's important at the end of the day i'm the one that can either say to myself hey You didn't do a good job today. I'm going to have to let you go. And we're going to get somebody new tomorrow. Maybe that's a different CEO. Whether I use the skills and use my values in certain situations or not, I have that power to be able to say, I want to learn more or I don't want to learn more. That's what I mean by be your own CEO. Sometimes you might not need to step back (laughs) and say, hey, I don't need to suspend you for the day yeah. let 's try this again tomorrow and i've been in those situations before where i don 't like the way I said that or the way I did something. I need to go to my own board and let 's have a discussion. <laughs> um, I know it might sound silly, but I really think that's important to be able to self reflect and have those conversations. So I do a lot of self talking I talk to myself a lot, paul and I try not to do it in front of other people, but I think it's important to be able to talk myself through those things.
0: That self-reflection is such an important part of being an effective youth worker. You have to be aware of what you're doing, and you're clearly very good at it. For one, I'm really glad that you are talking about it and using the metaphor of being a CEO as a way to think about it. That's a wonderful example. Dustin, we have to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to ask you some more questions about you and then talk a little bit about what you've learned in your work with young people. So we'll be right back. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by Yippa has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yipa.org, that's training.yipa.org, to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy-to-access, exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcast, The Professional Youth Worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings, and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are ridiculously affordable for individuals and organizations. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. Dustin, right before the break, I was talking about learning a little bit more about you. One of the things that I know about you, and it's pretty easy to tell for the listeners and people watching on the video, is that you're clearly an extrovert. And I'm just wondering... (laughs) That's a wonderful tool to have in a human services industry. But does it ever work against you, Dustin, just to be so extroverted?
1: Yes. I feel as an extrovert, you're on constantly. And I feel like I have to be presented in this way, right? And show this image. People expect me to be a certain way because that's where they're used to. This energy, this positivity. There are days where I'm in a funk and we all have those days and but it, and when i'm in a funk and it's so hard to be able to be me yeah and but same time like i said about the ceo i'm going to my company i'm working i'm presenting myself and it's tough because there are moments where i really need to be introverted in a way i need to be able to step back be over there by myself and it is hard i find those very challenging in those moments, Paul, because I'm so used to being out there and and engaging and being at the forefront, I guess you could say. I work with those things. I try to work with those all the time and I've had conversations with other people about that. In my own wife, I've had conversations about those types of moments because even in my family, I feel like our blended families and all over the place at, at events, there have been times where just, I can't be that person. I don't want to fake through it. I don't want to be that kind of person. But I've learned to start maybe communicating how I'm feeling and understand, like, I am not on today. I'm just letting you know. I'm I'm working through it. I'll tell you. I'll communicate with you. But yeah, it's tough at times.
0: Well, you're a teacher at heart. You're always teaching. You're teaching me stuff right now. (laughs) But I'm wondering, the beautiful thing about working with young people is that they teach you a lot about yourself. And what have young people taught you about Dustin?
1: Well, that's a great question. I love it because there have been many things. I can remember one particular moment. And most of my life lessons, seem like in my professional career, uh, I've been blessed with uh, at the Boys and Girls Club. And throughout my career, I've worked with young people. And it was until I started working at the Boys and Girls Club where I started to work with teens and dealing with different situations. Some of the situations included a moment where it involved somebody checking me at the door and about my values and not seeing the world through the eyes of a teenager nowadays. And I heard my dad in my head at a time where I was trying to manage this behavior. And a teen kind of scolded me and told me about Making sure that I'm trying to see it from their perspective more. Mm. And at that point, I really wasn't used to working with teens. And it bothered me. And I said, You're right. I need to do that. I need to do a better job. I don't know a lot about you. I don't know a lot about your trends of today and the music. And I will do a better job of advocating for you. And I did. And I read more about it, did more research, working with other professionals. That was important for me, and so they taught me to continue to be better at learning more about them, and I really appreciated that because that's something that helps me now today.
0: Surprising. The gift that keeps on giving. Young people won't let you sit in their comfort zone. They're going to challenge you to, to think about that stuff. Do you have a mentor, Dustin, somebody that you turn to if you need advice or consultation?
1: I do, and I think that's some of the best ways you can go along in your own journey, whether it be professional, personal, both of them. Brett is a mentor of mine. He mm-hmm. was a former principal, and he was my, my boss, my leader. But we developed into a, a good friendship. I looked up to him, and I still do. He had uh, many great ideas, and he engaged in conversation with everybody. He taught me a lot of lessons about different things. And when I was at the boys and girls club, as a director, I would, I would go to him and and ask him questions and say, what would you do in these situations? But he would throw it back at me and say, no, what would you do? And then kind of Mm -hmm. work me through it. And it was great because there are still times where I'll just have a, a question about something in life and I'll give him a call or send him a text message and we'll have a good conversation. I do look up to Brett very often. I don't know if he really knows that he's my mentor. I mean, of course, he probably does, but I've never said, hey, mentor, how's it yeah, going?
0: Right, um, give him the official but,
1: title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we get the title now. And so that really is a big part of who I am, right? I have these different components of what makes up Dustin. He definitely is a big part of that.
0: Well, I encourage you to share this podcast with him. He'll probably love to hear the words you just said about him.
1: I will, for sure.
0: Dustin, you can measure success in working with young people in a variety of ways, but how does Dustin Anderson measure his success with young people? What, what do you look at that would say, yeah, I did a good job with that young person?
1: You know, I had a student back when they were in second grade. I used to uh, direct a drama a program at an elementary school and then do the plays for the community. Uh, I wrote the plays. and I mean, nothing like I was going to bring it to Broadway or anything, but it was a lot of fun. I was really proud of it. I remember Brooke, second grade through fifth grade. She was one of my uh, top actors. She always made me laugh, and I was very proud of her work, right? And I know she had a lot of potential, and I was like, you got to go keep going, keep going. Through middle school, I encouraged her, got her involved with different things. Through high school, I got her involved with different things, kept in touch with her. She's a senior in high school right now, and the way that our relationship is, in the way what she's doing in her future work, she's going into college for fine arts theater, she's very passionate about it, and she'll say, "Hey, Mr. Anderson, you're the one who got me into this type of interest and this passion. That's why that's the impact right there. She's one of my top ones, even though I do have many top ones. <laughs> it's hard to pick just one that right there." Tells me the impact. I don't have to check off a box or anything. In my heart, it says, Yep, that's a success. You know, you're in the right field when people reach back at you and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing in life. And I want to continue to keep you updated because of the impacts. That's exactly why.
0: Beautifully stated. Well done. You're so positive. You're so full of energy. I just have to turn the coin upside down Dustin a little Mm -hmm. bit what things make you frustrated or angry or down
1: yeah that's a good one there are obviously a lot of different things now as being a father and you know different things when my kids get sick that kind of throws me off and I think a lot of the disrespect uh, that young people have that I've seen with authority figures that really bums me out. Uh, obviously, we're not living in a, in a perfect world or anything, but those kind of things get me frustrated, saying please and thank you. And I know it might sound piddly, not please and thank you, but I was raised on using manners. And those are little things that kind of get me going. And I want to say I'm preaching or lecturing. I don't do that as a part of my, <laughs> my, my thing in my teaching. But I feel like there are things like that in our world that show me as old school okay because I am I mean I was raised in the 90s early 2000s that is a big part of how I was raised and those kind of things kind of irk me a little bit you know. kind of make me twitch a little bit too as well but you know but at the same time that gives me a little bit more power and in, in how I want to teach the ones I am teaching at the point so there's not a lot that gets me going the Vikings-Packer rivalry—that gets me going. I'm a competitor. I'm a competitor. I don't, I don't like losing, but I try to use losing as a way of learning. I've gotten better throughout my years because I don't want to stress myself out too much because I know that, that affects my health. But those are the kind of things uh, that really do affect me.
0: Dustin, I know faith is a big part of your life. How does that all transpire into your daily routines?
1: I'm a man of faith, and that has grown throughout my years. Faith really has a big part in what I see every single day and how I view people. And Faith really isn't something that's written, concrete, and structure. It's just this way of feeling in your heart that I'm doing things for the best. I know that I'm on the right path. I was put on this path for a reason. It all started back. In 2018, where my faith was at a good point, but my wife and I experienced a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And it was a very tough point in my life. It wasn't like I was questioning my faith. It got me to connect even more with my church family, my faith, and to use prayer and to say, what is my place? Asking questions. And it wasn't until one of our our pastors gave a Bible verse that really hit me in the heart. I swear my faith in that moment grew Hmm. even stronger into the point where, hey, nothing was going to affect it anymore. It was going to be made of a shield and, and metal. And that is a big part of what I do every single day. I'm very blessed, and it adds to that energy that I bring to the table. I think people start to get to know me. They really understand my faith. But it's not something I put out there, you know, on a big label and such. But I'm definitely proud of, of that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that and so much more with us today, Dustin. It is just wonderful to get to know you better. You and I have known each other for a number of years. We've never really had a good chance to talk like we have today. I, for one, am just so grateful for the work you've done and the impact you have on young people. I've seen young people and you together, and I see the impact you have on them. They just look up to you. I could physically see their trust in you, and it's just wonderful. So thank you for pouring so much effort and energy and self-reflection into making yourself the best youth worker you can be.
1: I appreciate that, Paul, and I very much and privileged to be in this position. I think that's a wonderful way to put it.
0: Dustin, before we go, what words of wisdom or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners?
1: I think in any situation, and as a youth worker, as a teacher, educator, take a chance to step back and look at those that you are serving, that you are working with, that you are embracing and impacting, but take a look at how they're impacting you how it's affecting you in your everyday work. That's what I would say, Paul.
0: If you would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. If you have feedback about the show, please let us know. Just visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org and click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to a generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker.